Hello and welcome to High Shelf Gaming Podcast. I'm the host, David Gillespie. Every week, I'm joined by my co-host, Rich Wisneski, and we bring on guests to talk about role-playing games and board games and gaming conventions. If this is up your alley, feel free to download, listen, subscribe, and please rate us on iTunes. It really helps people find us. You can also connect with us on Twitter, at High Shelf Gaming, and join our Facebook group, High Shelf Gaming Podcast. It's a closed group, but click to join. We're friendly to everybody, and we'll get you added in. We also have a Discord server to talk games with us all you like. Hey everyone, David Gillespie here, and as always, I am joined by the agricultural Rich Wisniewski. Oh man, I feel like a flower now. <laughs> you know, it's like an AgriLife thing. If you know, if I was a Texas A&M AgriLife member, I would probably have a much better response than I feel like a flower. But I feel like such a pretty flower, and Ooh. we're going to be talking about a game that has a lot of ground in it. That's right. And you know, agriculture kind of goes along with the game tonight. And by God, Dave, how long has it been since you and I have just talked a game that isn't a game I- that's dead? Or is it a game that's dying? <laughs> well, in a or board game, over with that cost a million dollars. I know. Yeah, I mean, the last one we did was a uh, pandemic, and we'd actually recorded that before Gen Con, like I don't know, a month and a half ago. Oh, that's why it feels so old to me. Is that it was from way back, but it just kind of rolled out on the on the Twitter sphere and on the Facebook sphere. We have not talked board games in a while, and today we were talking about Scythe. Yay. The- Pseudo-agricultural, pseudo-war game, really a swords-to-plowshares game. Yeah, I would even say that, you know, it says combat, right? It has combat, but I'm not going to say it's a combat game. And, you know, I will say this is probably, if we look back on our history of the podcast, this was some of our very first experimental online with people gaming. Yeah, so when we first started doing our Twitch streams, we... Uh, purchased the license to play Scythe on Tabletopia, I think. And we played oh my it for gosh, like we haven't month. played. You you did unsubscribe to Tabletopia, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I, okay. all my money is going to Tabletop Simulator now. Okay, yeah, um, but yeah. So we were playing it there, and I think we had some really interesting games. I mean, it's a it's a really dynamic game, mm-hmm. um, kind of rules intensive. I think the first two times we played it, we were playing it a little wrong here and there. Um, but dude, a really interesting and fun game. So I'm glad we're getting to talk about it. You know, it's one that I wish we would pick up again, but I'm not too, I almost want to play it not as a Friday night Twitch, but as a Sunday afternoon gamer day, you know, that you really, you're, you're not, you know, four beers in your, in your, your mind is on the game right? and you're playing with people that aren't there. Just maybe they're, they're really trying to, compete because it is a game that when i you know we talked about alcon with mark yeah and that was one we that they signed up to try and i showed up to and played with them and pretended i didn't know anything so i didn't go right to the factory and i i made sure i didn't have the right faction in player matt to steamroll everybody oh right right and you know i i played like a good friend um and lost (laughs) and you know it was I would like to do a Sunday game like that sometime or a game sometime like that where we really focus on playing that game because, holy shit, we haven't even touched the expansions and we're still having fun with the base game. 
Right. Yeah. And I think we ended the Twitch streams with um, we were loading one of the expansions, the um, the airship expansion. Oh, did I miss that time? Yeah, you missed that one. Oh. And that dude, that completely changed the game. Holy crap! Did um, it really? I was, oh yeah, I got that on my list to chat about of expansions. I wonder how it changes the game. Awesome that you guys played it. How how did the airships mess that or did not mess it up? How did it change it? Okay, so the the base game is pretty straightforward. Um, you know, oh, yeah, maybe we should talk about that. Yeah, and then and what I'll say is that when you have the airship option, the order in which you do things completely changes. Um, because in the base game, you are um, the way they organize it is you are a faction that has a special power, and then um, you have oh what do they call it like a a player mat that is yep. basically your economy. So right. so you have a faction, and that faction has a special power, and they have mechs. And those mechs come with special powers whenever you build them. And then beneath that is your economy card. And your economy card is really, I think it's like five actions that you can take. And when you take a turn, you say, my turn is to spend it on this one action. And you can't repeat the action twice in a row. So the next time it's your turn, you can't do that same action twice. You have to do another one of your five. Right, right, exactly. So you have to to find other things to do. Um, And so there's this real sense of I have to plan out my order of turns so that I can bust out of my little um, starter place as quickly as possible and really maximize all the territory around me before somebody else takes it. Uh, Because there's limited space on the board, but they kind of build in these early game barriers that keep Mm -hmm. you from from moving around too much. Um, So it's it's interesting. When you have the airships, no, there's no there's no holding you back. You just make an airship and just float wherever you want to go, drop all your people. It's just crazy, dude. It's absolutely crazy. How funny. And, and you know what? I, I I think that maybe was the first expansion um, that was out there. Uh, and, and, you know, it really is. Well, I think I've even watched online play before we played the first time. And still we had people giving us advice other people on the you know on the twitch stream going oh hey guys how about this and we learned things as we were playing it is a definitely deep game and i think that's why it's fun to talk about is it's a um gosh you know i'm gonna say not completely hard to master but it's not a oh you know blockus type of game it's not a you know uh easy to learn hard to master it does take a little bit to learn it. And then right. I think mastering it. Woo. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. If I have one needle pick against the game, it's that the powers of the nations, man, they're just too different in terms of the benefit they give the player. You mean like river rock with the crimson or whatever? And yeah, that's the okay. way the Russians have like that. Uh, I call them the Russians. The red one has that uh, mass production, which when they get the right player, Matt, I was going to kind of bring up, I think there's only one broken combination in the base set. And it was, right. is it the Russians with the certain economy card that they, yeah. they just, man, they can, they can kind of outpace everybody. Yeah. So the Russians with the, um, the economy cards are numbered one through five on the base game. And if you get the Russians with economy card number one, that's the broken combo later on in the expansions, they say, that is not a legal combination. Oh, so if you, if look you at randomly that. get if you randomly get the economy card that it goes that specific economy card with Russians, you have to repick because it's not 
It's not okay. a legal company. So let me step back again. How, yep. And I and I don't remember. So we, sometimes I ask these questions trying to be the dear listener. <laughs> and sometimes I just don't remember. Um, the player factions, which whether you're going to be Russia or Poland or what you know, whatever they represent um, yep. on the card. Sex. I mean, they. I always like playing uh, Zapka and Carr because she looks like an angel because she has a hawk on her arm. So I'm always like, oh, it's an angel. Oh, um, yeah. Now, are those random handouts, or do you get to pick what faction you want? Um, you get to pick your faction, but not your economy card. And the economy card is a random deal, and right. that's your starting order. Yes. And now they're saying, and we, by the way, dear listener, we are gamer gamers, because we realized that was a broken combination in our first or second game. Yeah. We were yeah. like, this is ridiculous. These two yeah. should not be together. Yeah. Um, and it's just, they came out with, I guess, obviously some errata and said, mm-hmm. don't do that. You're not right. Allowed. Right. So real quick, let's talk about the different factions in the base game. There's Crimea with Zahara and Kar, the lady with the bird. And That's I will say they, they come with minis. They come with little mech minis. So each faction Ooh, can have- So well done. Are yeah. these guys related to Rising Sun? I don't think so, but you can tell their minis are high quality. Yeah, um, very high quality minis. I I really like that in a board game that they put a little extra money into the minis to make them quality. And the base game comes with like wooden figures, which is kind of abnormal now. Um, so I mean, good on them for really having some solid quality in the in the construction of the game. Um, so Z- Zahara and Car, their cool special power is that they can spend a combat card as if as if it was a resource token. So in the game, you have money, you know, resource tokens, and you can turn in one of your combat cards for a resource token. Oh, yes. And I've read some people say that might be a little bit of a broken thing because combat's not so heavy on this game. Right. Because in this game, you might have a fight or two. You could go the whole game as a faction and never get into a fight. And if you spend those things like money, you're always going to need money. That's this right. game, you need the money. Um, I will say some of those combat cards are so valuable in combat, it would be kind of dumb to, to get rid of them, to get rid of it. Yeah. But there's plenty of them that are like worth only one or two points in combat. And you can cover that with other, other factors in the right. game. So, and I am a lover, not a fighter. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Um, and so we kind of mentioned it earlier. All the factions start off walled off by water. So you start off with a couple little hexes that your your faction can spread out to and, and farm resources from. And eventually the idea is you'll eventually build a mech that will let you cross the river. Or you might build a tunnel that lets you get under the river and tunnel onto the mainland. Um, so there's a couple of things. There are a couple of ways to break out. Most of the factions are held back a little bit. The blue faction... Um, Bjorn... And yeah, Mox. Yeah, Bjorn and Mox, which is kind of funny. They're uh, like, there's baby Bjorn, and so now that I'm a dad, I'm like, baby Bjorn. Oh man, that's cute. Um, <laughs> it reminds me of uh, the Paul Bunyan and his ox. Yeah, is what yeah, I always yeah. Think of there. Yeah, definitely, and they look kind of Nordic um, in in that regard. Oh, there are the Nordic kingdoms, of course, and so their power is that the workers can move across ri- rivers. I don't think that's super valuable. Um, you know, it's like kind of valuable early on in the game, right. but, but after like turn three, everyone's doing it. It doesn't matter anymore. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, kind of tough, kind of tough for a faction to say, cool, my 
my super unique ability is good for three turns and then not useful for the rest of the game. Uh, whereas, you know, the Crimea guys, Zahara and Carr, turning in their combat cards for money all game long, that's that's valuable the entire game long. Um, another one, the uh, Poland, I'm bringing up Poland because you're Polish, um, Anna and Wojtek, Wojtek, the bear. Wojtek. Wotek. Wotek. He's so cute. I love the bear. He's um, a very beautiful bear. That's right. Um, he can pick up two option cards per encounter. So the way it works is on the board, there's several um, encounters that are placed out there. And if your hero token, if you spend a move action to move your hero token around, you can run them into the encounter uh, hexes. You flip over the encounter hex, you claim that is no longer a valid encounter space, you draw a single encounter card. On that card are three options. You have to pick one of those three options. Mm. And the Polania faction, they get to pick two out of the three options instead of just one. So that's one of those powers that's really good early game and even into mid game, being able to pick those encounters. Towards late game, most of the encounters are done. But uh, definitely early and mid, that's a pretty useful power. Yes, I would agree. Especially when the fact that, you know, on those options, you can get money or popularity. You know, it's kind of set up with that good, better, best for the people. Yep. Um, or worst, good, better. The worst thing is you oppress people and you get lots of money out of them. And mm -hmm. the best thing is you do something for them and you get lots of popularity. And we haven't talked about how you win, but that'll come up later about moving up the different victory tracks, which is another thing I like about this game. Unlike the worst game in the world, Trains, where <laughs> there's just one victory track that I never get to go around and everyone else does. Right. So this one at least has you can alter your style based on your player mat and your faction yes. to try and take advantage of the victory points the fastest way you can. Yeah, there's a lot of different things that add to your total victory count, your total victory points. Everything from how popular you are to how much military you have to how many battles you've won to um, how much money you got. All kinds of stuff goes into this. So it's really nice. If you're getting squeezed in one way, you can really expand your abilities in another, and that might get you the win. You don't have to be great at everything, but you need to pick one or two things that you're really going to primary and then maybe a, ter a secondary or tertiary that you're going to make sure you don't slough off too much on. Popularity is super important, though, because I think that that is the multiplier. So like popularity, if you're That's really right. popular, all the other tracks multiply in their goodness. Um, so there's definitely uh, definitely some benefit to that. I like it. That is me again. I like this game a lot. Yeah, let's yeah. play this weekend. Uh, it is. It is. It has a lot of versatility. It has a lot of really great reviews. So we're we're not bringing up anything that everybody else in the world probably hasn't already said now yeah. it's just we finally get a chance to talk about it um you know that complexity of how you're going to go and fight against people on winning is is to me one of the the best parts of the game again i want to play twilight imperium i don't want to take the time to learn all the rules and i don't want to play a 12-hour game <laughs> this and is so not a 12-hour game this lets me goodness. have some of that feeling yeah yeah, 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 definitely, definitely. Um, so let's talk about the Saxony Empire real quick. Gunter, Nacht, and Tag. Um, 
so it's like a big black wolf and this uh, guy with like a old world war one german pointy helmet um theirs is dominate their special power there's no limit to the number of stars you can place from completing objectives and winning combat so stars are um, how the game ends you place all your stars and the game is over um, so the first player to place their last star has now signaled the end of the game, and we start going through the end of game process. And and stars help add into the victory points, right? Yes. yes, yes, exactly. So the further, the closer you are to ending the game, when the game ends, the better it is for you. Yes. Um, now the interesting thing is that completing objectives, you start off with a couple of objective cards, and if you complete one, great, good for you, you get a star. Um, and then you're done. But Gunther and Noctentag from Saxony, they can continue to complete objectives and continue to turn in stars wow. or place stars. And then same with winning combat. You can place, I think, a max of two stars for winning your first and second combat. I, this is like the one faction that is really geared towards combat because they can just sit there and grind the game to a quick end by winning a handful of combats. And I'm pretty sure Rob played this at one time. Yes. And loved the grind of combat, was just getting all about it. I mean, even mm-hmm. their combat system um, is unique. You know, I, I like the way it's kind of a, a little bit of a bluff game. Yeah. You know, again, Rising Sun. Yes. We yes. played a little bit of the bluff game there, too, which is very much a very fun mechanic to have. Yeah, so the way combat works in this game, your faction has accrued so much military might, and you can gain some military might through actions that you take on the action board, mm-hmm. um, through encounters. Some of the encounters mm-hmm. will give you some. Cards. Yep. Yeah. Um, and then just some of your own factional abilities, like you start with a certain amount, and if you build a certain mech, you might get more, or you might uh, be able to steal a combat card from somebody, or start them at a lower combat value whenever you get into a fight. So and if you a, build some of the monuments and things, did some of those add in too? Yes. Yeah, some some of the monuments uh, also free up your ability to gain more every time you oh, take an action. on the economy player mat. That's one of the ways too on the economy yeah. player mat. Yes, yeah. sir. Yeah, so whenever you place your little token saying, I'm going to take this action, you there's always a primary action. And if you've unlocked it, a secondary action, and there can be additional benefits that happen whenever you take that action. So sometimes placing your little marker on the economy card might mean that you're getting three or four benefits for taking that single action. And one of them could be gaining more military power. But you gain a certain amount of, mil- certain amount of military power. I think the top end is 30? Oh, there was a there. That's right. There is definitely a point of no return that you are at the high side of it. Um, yeah. I would have to look at the the um, board if I'm not mistaken. I believe they have a little note about that. Or yeah. is it on the wheel? Um, no. Okay. So the wheel. Uh, let's talk about that. So when you start a fight with somebody, there's so many military points just on the board. You know, a hero is worth I think one. The mech is worth one. Farmers and like workers, they're not worth anything uh, military wise, unless you have a certain power or card that changes that. Um, And so either way, those guys are worth so many points. And then you have a wheel and on that wheel, you secretly decide how much of your military power you're going to spend on this fight. 
Um, so let's say let's say you have 15 military power saved up. Well, the wheel only lends you, lets you spend up to I think seven. Yes. Um, so so you could spend seven of your available 15. But the your opponent may have um, combat cards that they're going to play that further augment their stuff. So you have to kind of look at your wheel, look at your cards, see can you win this or not, and then um, then that's where the bluff game comes in. What 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 combat cards do you lay down that are going to get flipped over and revealed? Which um, how how high you're going to go on the wheel? All of this stuff matters. And I love making people commit all their resources, and I commit none. Right. That is always the most beautiful thing in the world. And on those cards, there are some that are monster cards. They're like oh, yeah. 16 points of uh, military might to where someone can put a card in and you could think, oh, it's just a little chumpy card. I'm going to go here and I'll add in my card and it's above that. Um, no, they might have a SmackDown WWE Friday Night <laughs> Adventure card and take you to town. I mean, yeah. really, and that it's almost the way I did. Have we had many battles that were down to one point or were they usually big swings? Um, you know, I think that we would have big swings because you and I both like the faint uh, where, where we faint for low and then yeah. later come back and just stomp. Um, and, you know, I, th human. I think the time we had 16 points laid down. Because uh, in the base game, anyways, there's some level five power cards. I think one of our players had the ability to play a few combat cards, and he dropped down like a pair of fives, and then put six on the dial or something like that. Like yeah. he really, he really like uh, pumped Probably it out. Rob. Yeah. And um, so, why would you fight, right? So you're. The deal with this game is you own all the hexes you have resources at. So little workers, the mechs, your hero, all of those things may mean that you own that hex. And you can build buildings and put buildings on those hexes, and someone else can come along and push you off that hex. The building is there, but you no longer control it. Um, and then there's also in the center of the board is a factory. And there's kind of a race to get to the factory first. Yes. And I would say that is there kind of a race? There is definitely a race to get to that factory first. Um, now, once you get there, you don't have to hold it, but the longer you can keep other people from getting there, the better it is for you. The reason why there's a race, the factory in the middle is, um, it gets to the lore of the game. The lore of the game is we're post-apocalyptic. All of our factions are um, starting to raid a fallen empire. And this fallen empire had vast factories building giant war machines and they have gone dark and we are all getting close to this massive factory complex in the middle of the world and the first one there is going to get to raid the factory for one piece of technology typically that piece of technology is an additional possible action on the economy card um, at least the ones that I've seen have been additional actions as you lay down next to your economy card and you have another thing you can do every turn. Um, the first one to the factory gets to look at all the options and pick That's the one right. they want. So they get the one that fits their faction and player mat the best. Yes. And oftentimes there is a huge difference in the cards that are out there such that if you're there fourth or fifth 
it's probably a really crappy card. Yeah, it usually is for me. Yeah. And I'll say that that's one of the things about this game that kind of helps get it over quicker is that as long as people are pushing hard and staying competitive, the game will probably take a little bit longer, but it'll be a really competitive game. But if it tilts, it's going to be over quick and it's going to be pretty clear who the winner is. And I think that it tilts around the first one to that factory if they get a great factory card out of it, and then maybe the second has a good good lean in there, and the other folks they need to be winning other by other means. They need to have such a good personal economy. They need to have upgraded their economy so much so that they're just going to win on economy and being popular. And you know, one thing you talk about everybody kind of going on their their way of winning through the popularity ranks. Um, I don't remember us ever sitting down and deciding to work against each other or creating alliances. Right. Yeah. yeah. When you said popularity, I was thinking of popularity within the group, right? I was thinking of that. And then I go, no, it's the track. And I said, Oh, you know what? I never remember going, Hey Dave, let's work against Rob. Let's take him out. <laughs> I never remember seeing that in this game. I think everybody just plays their own. Well, you know, the first to the factory tends to get creamed a little bit, I think, because you if you're the first to the factory, odds are you've overextended a little bit to get that prize. Yep. And so you're vulnerable, typically, and um, everybody wants to punish you for gaining that boon. Um, but, I, yeah, I guess after that, I mean, you can ally with other players, but we, we don't really do that often. No. It's and I wonder, you know, if, if anybody's listening to this is like, oh, yeah, you got to be able to do it that way. Let us know because I, yeah, I just don't even think this game lends itself well, like Risk or, you know, some other games that obviously Rising Sun, I'm, I'm, I, that's stuck in my head, um, where you actually do create alliances on purpose. Um, this one just doesn't seem to be that way. That's just not our style, I guess. We, we yeah. kind of like to be uh, solo warriors. Oh, uh, you know, we haven't talked about the last faction. Uh, and that is oh, the the Russians, Olga and Changa. Changa is a giant tiger. The Russians, I think, have the most powerful power in the game, and that is they are relentless, and it allows you to choose the same section on your economy card, your player mat, mm-hmm. as the previous turns. So whereas everyone else has to look at their economy mat and say, okay, well, I just moved last turn. I'd really like to move again. But I can't. So I'm going to go and do some other action on the economy card. Olga and Tranga from the Roosevelt Union, they don't got to do that. They can just keep on moving or keep on farming. And that is powerful all game long. It allows you to farm up super fast and then move all your guys. I mean, you can farm up super fast and then pop the move. Get one of your mechs to pick up all your farmers and all the resources and then just move and then move again and then plop down and farm up huge again. So, I mean, you can really be a very dangerous faction with, uh, with the red guys. You brought up another thing I love. There's oh, mechs yeah. in this game. Oh, yeah. Dude, what kind of game is awesome that has mechs in it? That's what, you know, the artwork is just so visually stunning. It reminds me of those folks on Reddit that take those really old pictures and then they paint in 
uh, monsters. Oh yeah. Or they take pictures of World War Two, and yeah. they 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 Photoshop in a battle mech in the background. Yeah. It just looks. Even their artwork on the front is just so uh, you know post-apocalyptic, and there's still mechs around. Yeah. And those mechs are awesome in the game. You're so right. Like, there's a bunch of really cool pictures of like people on horseback. You know, like like old school cavalry. And then there's this big giant mech looming in the background. Like, how are these two things even remotely in the same world and effective against each other? Um, and it's just it's just a, from an art perspective and a lore perspective, it's a really interesting game. Um, and each faction, their mechs are very different. Um, uh, I re- you know I will say the Nordics, their their mechs are really cool because they can they can go into the lakes. There's some lakes on <laughs> on the map, and they can go through the lakes where nobody else gets that power. Um, and so it's just I don't know, like all the mechs are kind of cool, and they all come with each little little cool powers. And I'm I'm a huge fan of that part of the game. It's really cool. And, you know, we talked a little bit about taking a while to learn, a while to play. It is a 90-minute-plus game. Um, I I don't think we've ever played a game that was quick. Uh, You know, even when someone's starting to run away, it's you just get to the 90 minutes. Yeah. You know? You you might be at a point in the game that everybody wants to quit because they can see the end coming. But I don't know. Even then, there's – you know what? I say that. Even then – there's always somebody competing. There's always a couple ru- in the running to the end. I'm not going to say that it is. I've not had a stinker yet. You know, there has definitely been a game where I was not going to win. I was in like fourth place. Right. You know, and then when you're in fourth place, God, it's it can be kind of a grind. Because not like you lose the game and you can't play anymore. You got to see it through to the end while number one and two fight it out. And number three sees if they can be a spoiler. Um, but, dude, if you fall behind in this game, it can be pretty tough to come back. And that's where I'm at mostly, dear listener, is I'm in the back crying, going, I hate this game, I hate this game, but then want to play it again the minute we're done. Yeah, yeah. And um, I will say that when it comes to the different economy cards, it's super important when you start to really pay attention to your economy card. Or the player mat is what they call it. It's kind of like when you start playing Settlers of Catan, when all the uh, board is revealed and you know where all the the number chips are, and you're trying to you're trying to decide where to put your settlement and road in Settlers of Catan. Dude, I spend forever looking at that board, figuring out where to place my stuff and what moves to make. This economy card is like that. You want to take a minute and just see, okay, how does this economy card build? How can I start taking it so that whenever I take this action, I'm actually getting more than one benefit out of it? And how quickly can I expand my economy on this player mat? Um, And just taking the minute to do that is going to make your game way better than just saying, ah, let's just start. Okay, and that's what I do. I just realized that's why I hate all these games, and I hate Roll for the Galaxy, because I don't take time to figure that stuff out. That's why you guys always giggle when we play Gaton, because I put some down, and everyone's like, did you see the numbers? (laughs) (laughs) So that is, you know, and I really do feel like I almost always screw up my first three turns. I'm always like just reaching in weird directions and it is uh yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a challenging game. Very and I, challenging. And I will say that this game really triggers your FOMO, your fear of missing out. Because when you see yes. another player start building a lot of population. What was, hold on. What was that word you used? What was that? Say that word again. 
FOMO, what? Oh, FOMO, fear of missing out. Trademark my high shelf gaming podcast. No, dude. No, dude FOMO is that is, like a very classic term that I've that just is, never heard before in my that life? Is, that is all over the the webernets right now. FOMO. God, I need to read the <laughs> internets once in a while. I thought it was only there for porn. You mean there's games on the internet? There are games on the internet. Okay. Oh. So here's the thing. When you're looking at another player and they're starting to pump out a lot of farmers or they're starting to get their mech early, you might think, oh no, I'm falling behind. But no, 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 yes. no, no. They're following their economy card, probably, right? Mm. Or they're following their faction's be- benefit. You need to focus on what makes your faction strong. And don't worry so much about them building their stuff, at least in the first couple of turns. You need to be worrying about what is going to get your economy cooking um, and what's going to make you powerful. You know, if you're going to go a military advantage, figure out how to press that advantage early. Um, and don't worry too much about the person that's pumping out a lot of people or pumping out a lot of, uh, mechs or whatever. Like there's other things to be doing. That's, that's my, impossible. That's I get my, all caught up in everyone's games and now I'm, we should have done this recording right after the first couple games so I could play better in life <laughs> because I am totally seeing some great ideas here to bring to the table. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because I mean, when when uh, somebody builds the first tunnel, you think, "Oh no, I need to build a tunnel." Well, maybe the tunnel was just kind of a gimme because they're doing a whole lot of move actions or some shit like that, you know, or they're doing a whole bunch of other stuff. Um, so, yeah, like it's definitely one of those games where pay attention to what's going to make you better, and don't worry too much about what's making them better until you get a chance to spoil. And then when you get a chance to spoil by running your mech over to their area. That's where you need to pay attention to what do they keep spending a lot of money on? Are they building a lot of iron, a lot of wood? Mm-hmm. Is there still a chance for me to go in there and mess up their wood production? Okay, great. If not, well, what are they going to try and do after they finish all that wood? Are they going to start making people? Are they going to start building, you know, farming hay? Go and mess up those areas. That's my, that's I my like strat. I like the way you think. I Dude. like the way you think. We're playing again, man. Like, oh, yeah. That game really just gets my juices going. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and I haven't even tried the expansions. Okay. A little bit of moving on that you have played the Wind Gambit online, and that's with the, um, oh, what are we going to call them? Zepp- they're not Zeppelins. What are they? They're um, airships. They're airships. airships. Yeah. And number one, the models for that look incredible. Oh, yeah. Again, their models are so good. Like, I want to use those in some sort of... I don't know, uh, steampunk post-apocalyptic RPG. I know. Man, just give them a spray paint, you know, give them a quick paint. And they are, I mean, that's like, I think the box is like 20 something bucks. No. And I mean, and you, yeah. And you get those, those in it with the, with the box to where it's, it's pretty awesome. And that really did change the whole dynamic of the game though. You could immediately go wherever you wanted. And did you get an airship to start with, or did you have to build it? Um, Oh, it was a little bit since I played, I think you Get one to start? Yeah, two airship tiles are randomly paired at the beginning of the game. One passive, one aggressive, 16 total. A new time of a bit of a sculpts are identical, blah, blah, blah. Each player starts with airship on their home base. There it is. How yeah. about that? And, and the airship powers are interesting, but the most important power is the fact that you can now just ignore rivers. Like, wow. that immediately makes the Nordic ability worthless like like functionally useless compared to everyone else and that makes me sad for the nordics um in this game but yeah they immediately just become 
boring. Uh, they, yeah, they're they're a dead faction. I mean, they're uh, they can do stuff, but as far as their faction power, eh. Now, now none of us have played invaders from afar, but that looked like just a way of adding in more faction yep. and allowing up to six or seven players. So mm-hmm. I'm wondering if it's like the um, you know Firefly game where it added new maps. Like, yes. did it add so, new map board? So when you get all the expansions, you can um, there's enough board there you can flip it over and play on a bigger board. Oh, and now you can have lots more players, which does make the game longer, right? Because everybody's taking their turns. Um, and there's just more people taking turns, but two, not with me going, are you done yet? Are you done yet? Are you done yet? Are you done yet? <laughs> yeah. But two, um, I think that is really where the game gets big enough that having alliances makes way more sense. Cause when the mm. game is small, four ish players eh, having an alliance is like, maybe I'll do it. Maybe I won't. But when it's like six, seven players, oh yeah, I'm, I'm going to find a friend cause I am not going to try and take on six people by myself. Send me an emissary next time. That's right. That's right. right. We'll make it work. Um, And I thought this was really cool. And I did not know about this until doing a little bit of show prep. That's me shuffling my papers, audience, because I wrote things down. Um, And I'm proud. The final expansion, the Rise of Fenris. Did you know that this is a way of closing the game? (gasps) No. How incredibly cool. These guys sat down instead of, here's what normally happens, right? I got a game. I make an expansion. I make another expansion. And you know what? Maybe there's not any. Now I'm down to like a cult group of a thousand people and and I can't make any more money. So I quit making expansions. Yeah. And in Scythe, do you call it Scythe or you call it Sith? What I call, call it scythe, like the scythe. like the big uh, the I big harvesting so thing. Yeah, scythe. Yeah, I was just outside using mine, and <laughs> it is the final expansion. It's listed that way, and um, and it goes with the idea that you know things have come and gone, and this is actually the conclusion to the trilogy, and it's a book that has modules in it. That you go through that has some kind of customization. And then they say like on the, on the um, webpage, something about, um, you know, the nature of the episodes and modules will remain a mystery. Now I know you could go online and someone has it all printed out, but they're not on their website telling you what the nature of these modules and adventures are because they want to bring the game home for you. And they want you to probably be done and sit down with your friends and go, that was fun. Or that was neat. What a story. You know, that, that must be what they were going for. Wow. They were looking at a way of closing out the world of Scythe for everyone. That is impressive. Like, okay, that, you know what that reminds me of? That reminds me of the story. Cowboy Bebop. Yes. One Cowboy Bebop, because that had a phenomenal arc to it. But in terms of board games or games, I shouldn't say board games, but games. Um, Legend of the Five Rings, the card game, their first edition, they said, look, this card game is going to have a beginning, a middle, and an end, and then we're done. Yeah. And they did that. Now, later on, they went back and said, actually, we're going to do a whole second season, but because that money was just too good. <laughs> People are wanting to give us money. We're doing it again. Right, right. But their original intention was to zip up that card game and be done with it. And I really applaud these guys for taking Scythe and saying, you know what? This board game has a beginning, a middle, and an end. 
Yes. And and that's how I felt. And that's what, you know, I made a joke about Cowboy Bebop, but that was back when anime started and ended in 26 episodes or 23 or whatever the number yeah. was. Yeah. And that they kind of, you know, Inuashi kind of lost that. Bleach kind of lost that. They just go on. I mean, there's like oh, yeah. 4,000 Bleach episodes now. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, who, yeah. Uh, who is it? Uh, uh, Utena Universe Girl or whatever. That was the first one that had like uh, 150 hours worth of content yeah. and never was going to die. Um, so, yeah. It, but that's why I really loved Cowboy Bebop is, you know, goodbye, Spike. You get to the end and yeah. there you are. Um, man, I, I get, prepping for this, I, I may have to find a group that wants to go through this. Yeah. I may, I may have to find a team. You know, um, and I will say that is the one thing about Scythe is that there's so many, there's so much to it. It's such a deep game that it's not going to appeal to casual gamers. It's going to appeal to gamer gamers. You know, the folks that love themselves some Axis and Allies, that love themselves some, um, you know, Settlers of Catan, they have all the expansions and they played it into the ground. Agricola, they're good at Agricola. Scythe is that gamer's game. You know, this is the kind of thing that I could go to the Board Game Geek convention and get 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 some people to commit to for a day. I bet you any money a gamer's gamer. You know what I mean? Dude. Going down to BGG Con, I bet I could prep, talk to, you know, put it out there. I bet there's some people that would say, yeah, I'll meet you at eight yeah. in the morning and we're going to play and we're going to play till we're done and I'll bring my cooler full of drinks and, and food and I'll pee in a cup and we're going to play this game till we're battle, done. Battle bottle it. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to battle bottle it. <laughs> Trademarked highshelfgamingpodcast.com. <laughs> Don't tell me that's another word all over the internet. Dude, too. that is that is military uses that. <sighs> all, dude, you you think you think that guys that operate tanks and are in a fight are going to get out of the tank while they're in a fight? No, they're. Gonna well, they could call timeout, bro. They could be like timeout. <laughs> I gotta pee, and they jump out, go pee, and get back in. No, no, that's not how that works. They just you know take care of it, and then I saw on. that Brad Pitt movie. I know what they do. <laughs> Aye, aye, aye. So I, I, you know, just wrapping up on the expansions, I really dug the way they did that. Yep. I just couldn't believe I didn't know that until prepping for the show. Big props to those guys. I mean, that yep. really is um, amazing. Now, this is from Stonemeyer Games. Yep. Uh, and I go on. Jamie uh, Stegmayer, he made this game, and I think he founded Stonemeyer Games. Oh. You mean before the world of Kickstarter, or was this a Kickstarter too? Ooh, I don't know if this was a Kickstarter. It probably was a Kickstarter, Um, because I think everything's a Kickstarter at these points. Um, But he is a local to me, or rather, he's he's, uh, just down the road from me. He's over in St. Louis. Yeah, so I'm in Kansas City. This guy's in St. Louis. This is where this game comes from. Let's go ding-dong ditch him next time I'm in town. (laughs) And we can just leave a little little character mod, little character on the front porch, <laughs> little character icon. Let's three D print one. Yeah. We'll just leave it up front. <laughs> Boom, we're gone. Now, um, one cool thing with a sticker. We'll leave him a sticker too. Um, so one cool thing that has come out of this, because Scythe has been so popular and the guy has done so well, is he uh, took on the game My Little Scythe, which was I think a kid had developed this game what? and they weren't getting any traction. And he said, you guys need to publish this. No, I'll just publish it. If nobody else is going to publish it, I'll just publish it. And it's basically a kid's game version of Scythe. And I think it came from like another kid coming up with this idea. 
Holy smokes, this is one I can win at, folks. Yeah. I'm looking online. It's for children, and I love to crush children's yeah. dreams. Here, Just here ask is. my son. Here it is. Designed by um, Hobby Chow with daughter Vienna Chow. So the daughter, wow. an art by Katie Chow. Uh, Katie Cow. Oh, my apologies. Different family. Um, so Vienna Chow, the daughter, and her mom, H- Hobby Chow, um, made this game. And Stonemeyer said, hey, I'll, I'll, I'll help you make it. Oh, dude, it looks so cool, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, super cute. My little cute. scythe. Super my cute. My little scythe. Super Going cute. Going out and killing people. <laughs> my little scythe. <laughs> So um, I'm going to play this at boardgamegeek.com this year. Yeah. I am a hundred percent sure it's in the back room with the 30,000 games that they have. And I bet you all have no problems finding one to six players to play with me. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, dude. Yeah. Scythe is such a fun game. I totally want to play it with a bunch of gamer gamers. Um, and uh, if I can make it to a con where you and I can play this game, we should totally play it. I agree. I agree. Because this is one of those games that I want to play at a con where I'm going to be with other people who are like way into the game. And dude, let's totally pretend we don't know each other. <laughs> We're like rounders. We're- oh yeah, dude. <laughs> I, all of a sudden I'm blocking for you. You're blocking for me. We're trading resources. I mean, you know, it'll become evident as we're in the final two. <laughs> Right, and then it'll just be a battle to the end, like Big Brother. That's we'll right. just kind of create our little alliance on day one. Oh God, I love it! I love I it. I like that idea. Oh my God, yeah. So great game, super fun, very deep. Um, and I would say get the expansion so you don't have to play the Nordics. <laughs> just kick them out. Go immediately for invaders from afar, so you can add in what is it, Avalon? Or let me hold on. Let me bring this up here. The invaders from afar, you can then add in Avalon and Tawaga. Yeah. Into there. Yeah. And then you can just get rid of those guys. <laughs> there you go. Perfect. Print. <laughs> and watch YouTube videos before you try and play. Oh my gosh, yes. Oh my gosh. Before you play your first game, you've got to do like mm-hmm. a smooth 30 minutes worth of research. And if you have a con near you and you can go play a demo game where someone owns all this shit and they love it and they know every rule, go do that. Yeah. Yeah. Because reading the rule book your first time while you're, <sighs> you know, right before you play or as you're playing. Oh, man. Because at the end of the rule book, they tell you things that you needed to know in the beginning. So you really need to sit down <laughs> with someone who just knows the whole game. <laughs> I, I think David's talking from experience as I was in charge of the rules the first time we played. <laughs> and no we comment. saw how well that worked. I'm no longer in charge of the rules or live streaming. <laughs> oh, we made it. We survived that game. It was good. It was really good. Um, okay. Um, I should say I'm pretty much done on the size stuff. I do have some high shelf gaming things to talk about. Oh, what might that be? All of our folks that like to listen south of the border in Mexico? Or would it maybe be everybody over in Eastern Europe that likes to listen to us? Or our fans in California or Texas? Big shout out to y'all. Absolutely. And everyone on Spotify as well. Thanks a ton for listening. Oh, Spotify. That's right. You told me those numbers. I couldn't believe people on Spotify are listening to us. That just blew my mind. Oh, yeah. So it's all good. And uh, folks that are uh, listening, if you're interested, we're about to start streaming a role-playing game. Cyberpunk 2020. I'll be the GM. We're going to have, I'm hoping for five players that are really into a sci-fi setting. 
And um, we're going to stream that on Friday nights. We'll come up with a schedule and post that up and all that good stuff. But by all means, if you want to come and play, jump on real quick because uh, you won't have a lot of time after this episode comes out to put in your vote and put in your hat, put your hat in the ring to jump into those games. And if you haven't been able to do that, all good. Tune in and give it a watch because it's going to be a whole lot of fun. Definitely. And Hugo and I are definitely playing some basic D&D. So watch out on the Facebook group. I'm going to get a basic game going. When I mean basic, I mean Red Book. And um, so I think we'll have something like for three to four players. Uh, Won't be streamed, but it'll be something we'll probably do on Fantasy Grounds to kind of give that a test. Um, but, um, I definitely am forcing Hugo, one of our brothers south of the border to play and, uh, we'll see if we can't pick up a few others. Dude. Hey, let's, let's divide and conquer a little bit. I've been looking into GM tools or GM Mm -hmm. forge, GM forge. Mm. You go after fantasy grounds. I'll go after GM forge and let's see, let's see which ones we like. Dude, I paid for the one-month subscription of Ultimate so demo players can play in my game. Nice. So when we go to say, let's do this basic game, everybody just needs a demo account. Awesome. And they can play in the game, and I I can test it. Uh, You know, we all know what Roll20 is like. Sure. Uh, Time to try out some other things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, I'm going to pick up, uh, so GM Forge, $25 one-time purchase. What? It's, It's a program. That's it. And then you go to their community to get all the all the resources. So that is a great buy. Um, you know, Fantasy Grounds. I just went for the ten dollar uh, monthly ultimate, right? Yeah. But it's a hundred and fifty lifetime. Right. So if you want this, it's a hundred and fifty bones. Right. Well, and and good good on them because they actually have a bunch more resources. That's like oh, official official books from from Wizards of the Coast that you can buy. And dude, Fantasy Grounds has all kinds of resources. GM Forge is a one man show. It's one guy making a GM toolkit and it's, and it's community supported. So it's a completely different shoot and match over, over roll 20 or um, whatever you're looking at. Are we doing a uh, 3d printing giveaway anytime soon? Ooh, yeah. Okay. So actually uh, ladies and gentlemen, I have in my hot little hands, a gray render, which is a, D&D monster. It's got six eyes. It has dark vision. It's got these big claws and it has this weird habit of picking smaller creatures and deciding that it's going to take care of them. Oh, like a little buddy, kind of like Laurel Hardy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Except when you approach the bunny, it's going to rip your face off. It is an awesome monster. It's got like a hundred and something hit points. Um, I have one of those printed up I don't think that the file is available yet because I'm working with a guy on the side. Ooh. And so as part of this giveaway, we're going to give away a 3D printed gray render. And in order to qualify for it, you just need to leave a, a review for us on iTunes. And when we hit 20 reviews, I'm going to figure out who wins it. You know, just go through those those reviews and everybody who submitted a review is entered in to win. And we will contact the winner and sort out shipping and all of that good stuff. So if you would like a 3D printed monster from Dungeons & Dragons, a gray render, leave a review for us on iTunes. And the first 20 reviews are entered in to win. So everyone, thanks a ton for listening as always. Have fun and play well. May all your roles be crits. Thanks for listening. This episode was produced by me, David Gillespie, with music provided by Taylor Guillory. 
Our web presence is managed by Amy Nelson. And if you like our style, please leave a review for us on iTunes. It's the best way to help people find us. Most importantly, though, feel welcome to connect with us on Twitter, our Facebook group, Discord server, our Friday night Twitch streams, and our website, all under the name High Shelf Gaming. We really look forward to talking and playing games with you. Thank you.